listening to the Central Church Podcast. To learn more about Central Church, including our gathering times, visit us online at centralsanford.net. Today's talk comes from Pastor Alan God is good, and all the time, praise the Lord. Well, good morning, and it's good to see you this morning, and can you believe it? We are in the month of December. So how many of you are ready for Christmas? All right, how many of you are not yet? All right. Well, tonight at 6 p.m., we're going to be having a night of worship. We want you to come and be a part of that. Uh, also, as you saw, Cody and Becca, we have put out, we put out an annual little magazine. We call it our Above and Beyond magazine. And we want you just to take an opportunity. Hopefully, as you came in here, you saw it, and uh, you can grab one of these and read it. We also have a digital format of this that will be on our website. We're going to be sending an email out this week so that you can have a copy of it just to see just a small uh, segment of what God has been doing here at Central. We have hundreds of stories of what God God has done here, and these are just a handful just to kind of give you an opportunity to know what God is doing here. Uh, also, at the end of our time, we're going to be celebrating the Lord's Supper together, and so if you haven't got your elements, it's okay. We'll have some of our ushers and deacons will be on standby to help you for that. Also, church family, we have uh, one of the great men in our church, uh, Brother Jack Owens, has uh, passed away this uh, past couple of days ago, and he had been one of the founding, almost one of the founding members here at Central. Uh, he and his wife, Ethleen, helped start our special friends, special needs ministry, and we just want to be praying for the Owens family this morning, and let's pray for our missionaries also around the world. So let's just bow just for a moment, and let's just spend some time in prayer. Father in heaven, we thank you for this day. We thank you for Jesus. We thank you for the gospel, and Father, we praise you for the faithfulness of great people in our church who have gone before us. Father, this week we've lost too, actually, Brother Jack Owens and Miss Betty Williams. And God, we want to pray a special prayer for those families. And Father, we just thank you for their legacy that they're leaving behind. Now, Lord, as we think of Cody and Becca as they are about to go to Papua New Guinea, and also we think of the 3,700 other missionaries who are around the world preaching the gospel in hard places and unreached places and difficult places. Father, we think for our partnership in Western Europe and those three churches that are just being planted that we're partnering with and, and, and Germany and, and Belgium. Belgium and in the Netherlands. Lord, we pray for those pastors, those Iraqi pastors, God, who migrated from Iraq to plant a church among named peoples. Father, we just pray a blessing on them today. Lord, help us today to see Christ. Lord, we pray for those that are online, those who would love to be here but physically are not able. And Lord, we pray that you're glorified in Jesus' name. Amen. Take your copy of God's Word and turn to Isaiah chapter 9. Isaiah chapter 9, and we're going to begin in verse Number one, and over these next uh, few weeks, we're going to be going through Isaiah chapter 9. So let's stand as we read God's Word together. Isaiah chapter 9, and we're going to begin in verse number one. There will be no gloom for her who was in anguish. In the former time, he brought into contempt the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the latter time, he has made glorious the way of the sea, the land beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the nations." The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in the land of deep darkness, on them has, light, has the light shine. You have multiplied the nation. You have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest, as they are glad when they divide the spoil. For the yoke of his burden and the staff of his shoulder and the rod of his oppressor you have broken as on the day of Midian. For every boot of the trampling warrior and battle tumult and every garment rolled in blood will be burned as fuel for the fire. Now let's read verse 6 together. For to us a child is born, 
to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and he shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. You may be seated. How many of y'all love Christmas lights? I mean, I love Christmas lights. I love going to see Christmas lights. I remember back when Hollywood Studios uh, used to have uh, the... Uh, Brother Joey, you can have a seat, brother. Okay, if you could see them. Yes, Brother Joey. Uh, but I love Christmas lights. And listen, this week I feel like everybody and their brother was putting up Christmas lights. I'm not very good at putting up Christmas lights. I'm not very talented at all. But it's amazing what people can do. I want to show you some pictures just of how awesome people can be. I mean, look at this house, right? Wasn't that great? Now, I'm glad the person didn't get it backwards and just spell Leon. He spelled Noel, right? Um, but you think about that. That would be awesome. Now, that's not my house. In case you were wondering, that's not my house. But I want to show you Pastor Craig's house. I think it's amazing. Look at that. He did an incredible job. You know, he goes above and beyond. Uh, we need to see what we pay him. But anyway, uh, he does an incredible job. I want to show you my house, though. You want to see my house? There it is right there. <laughs> Now, that's not really my house, and if it's your house, I'm sorry, it, made, it went viral on the internet. But Americans spend about $6 billion every year to put up a Christmas light display. There's something that is just kind of attracting uh, to us when it comes to, to light. We, we are attracted to light, but yet, uh, we celebrate cry lights, we celebrate Christmas lights, but December 25th is actually one of the darkest days of the year in North America and in Europe. But truthfully, when we think about Christmas, Christmas is not about the night. Christmas is about the light of the world that came. One of the hymns that we sing every Christmas Eve service is Silent Night. And just think of one of the lines that says, Silent Night, Holy Night, all is calm, all is bright, radiant beams from thy holy face with the dawn of redeeming grace. See, Jesus is the light that came to this dark world. And so as we go through Isaiah chapter 9, we're looking at a prophecy. There are very many uh, messianic prophecies when it comes to Jesus in the book of Isaiah. There are 25%, 25% of the Old Testament itself is prophecy. There are 322 messianic prophecies. And so when you read the Bible and you're reading prophecy, you have to understand, especially Old Testament prophecy, that there is a historical context within the prophecy. Each prophecy uh, is written with two angles in mind. One is the historical angle, that is, it's what's going on then and what did it say to the people then. And then there's the prophetic angle, that is, what was it ultimately about? What does it ultimately anticipate? And so Isaiah here in chapter 9 is writing to a group of people, God's people, who were in a very desperate situation. Some 700 years before Jesus Christ was born, there was a king who was the king of Judah by the name of Ahaz. And Ahaz was a godless man. He was in his early, mid-20s, and he was facing a grave national crisis. Internally, the nation was morally and spiritually corrupt. Externally, uh, there was a rising power by the name of Assyria that was coming to uh, take uh, all the nations away. And so there, these nations that are around Israel, they were trying to figure out, how can we fight against the Assyrians? And so they asked Judah... Uh, this nation, Israel, uh, would you join us and, and, uh, and defend uh, in an alliance to defend yourself and ourselves from Assyria? And then Assyria said, no, join us, Judah. We'll protect you against the other nations. And God came to Isaiah and gave a word through Isaiah to the king that says, don't join 
any alliance. Don't join with the other nations. Don't join with Assyria. Just simply trust God and his unbreakable promises. And with this morning, if you get nothing else, I want you to understand God can be trusted. In the moment of crisis, in whatever situation you can find yourself in today, God can be trusted. And so in chapter 7, God goes out of his way to give Ahaz a sign. And that sign maybe you've heard about is, Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and you shall call his name Emmanuel, which is God with us. And God gave a sign to Ahaz that a child is going to be born. And so in chapter 8, there is a child. Remember, it has a historical context. There was a child by the prophet Isaiah and his wife, and they had a child, which was a sign to Ahaz that God was with Ahaz. You don't have to go to Assyria and trust him. You don't have to form an alliance with anyone else. You can trust God. But yet the child of chapter 8 is just a foreshadowing of a greater son that is going to be explained even more in chapter 9. And this son, we're going to learn, is a king. He is a ruler. He is our hero. He is the Messiah. He is the light of the world that has dawned on the world on Christmas Day. And so this morning, our, our message is really centered on this, is that you and I, as you and I behold the wondrous mystery of Jesus' advent, and isn't, uh, the word advent means his coming. As we just kind of think through the wondrous mystery of his first coming, we see that the darkness of this world is no match for the brightness of the sun. The darkness of this world is no match for the, for the brightness of the Son of God. So let's look at those two things. First, the darkness of the world. The days of Isaiah were dark days. Our days are dark. The words that are used by Isaiah to describe those days in verse 22 of chapter 8 are distress, anguish, thick darkness. That's the reality of living in a broken world. We, the world that we live in is a scary place with scary people in it. As a matter of fact, I, I have said to others that if we only knew what was lurking around in the dark world around us, we would never go outside. Biblically, darkness speaks of evil and ignorance. For Isaiah, in his context, it was a time of natural crisis, a national crisis, the people of Israel and the people of Judah were facing invasion. Their very existence as a nation was under threat. There was uncertainty for their future, and there was fear for their own safety. The people felt helpless and hopeless because they were living in darkness. And in darkness, they were, they were in fear of, th of three things. There were three things that was going on in the darkness. One is death, the fear of death. In chapter 9, verse 2, the Bible says that the people walked in darkness. At the end, it says that they have walked in a deep darkness. That word deep darkness can be translated the shadow of death or the death shadow. These people were living in misery. The people of the world were living under this death shadow because where there is no light, there ultimately is death. Why? Because light and life go together and darkness and death go together. I mean, think about this. We are dependent on having the sun. If the sun were to just go out of existence, if it were to just end, what would happen? Well, there was a, an article that was written a few years ago in Popular Science Magazine that said that if the sun were to go out, within a week, the global temperature would drop to zero. That's cold, right? In a year, it would drop to negative 100 degrees Fahrenheit. Eventually, it would bottom out at negative 400 degrees if there were no sun. If the sun were to go out, photosynthesis would stop, which would mean the end of plant life, which would ultimately lead to no food, and also there would be no 
production of, of oxygen as we know it. And so eventually, if you didn't freeze to death, you would starve to death or you would die uh, of uh, not having the ability to breathe oxygen. Well, here we are living in a world that's still dark and it is still in darkness. And, and, and as we think of 2020, there's probably one word that can sum up 2020. They're actually probably going to make this the word of the year in Webster's Dictionary, the word pandemic. You know, as we come to the end of 2020, thank God, we, we kind of know what it feels like for everything that we thought to be certain was uncertain. I mean, I never will forget that moment when, when you knew that things were never going to be the same when they canceled March Madness. It was March Sadness. But we have kind of experienced in the past year that, that it seems like that there's no way that everything is going to go back to the way it used to be. I mean, you think about it, in the midst of all of our prosperity, in the midst of the state-of-the-art medical systems that we have in our national economy, we have learned that all those things that we thought were certain are not very certain at all. And, and one of the things that we've learned is that life is very fragile because death is very real. Well, those that are living under deep darkness, in deep darkness, is all of humanity. This isn't just speaking of spiritual darkness. This is speaking of physical darkness and decay. All of us that are born in this world are living in the shadow of death because of sin. And because all of us are sinners and therefore all of us are dying. All of us are. Now, maybe some of you, I want to give you an illustration about this, is that, you know, during Thanksgiving, maybe you cook the best Thanksgiving turkey. Uh, I'm a ham person. Um, but I, 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 if, if you can cook a good turkey, I, I will take it if it's, if it's got, you know, if it's not dry. Sometimes they're dry. Uh, but just imagine you spent, you know, 24 hours, you brined that bird, and you, you got that bird ready, and you put it in the oven, and you cook it to absolute, utter perfection. I mean, the, the skin is wonderful, it is moist inside, everything is great. And you take that, that magnificent turkey that you cooked, and you put it on the table, and you don't touch it and you don't eat it, and you just leave it out. What would happen in four hours? It'd get cold, right? What would happen in four days? It'd start to decay. It would start to stink, right? What would happen in four weeks? You probably need to call the health department. Why? Because it's going to rot. It's going to decay. It's going to lose energy. It's going to go bad. It doesn't matter how great you cooked it, how well it was put together. It is going to go bad. And here's something. We're all like that turkey. We are all decaying. We are all rotting. Some are rotting more than others. <laughs> Some it's slower than others. We are all dying. We are living under this death shadow because this world is dark. And so darkness means not only death, but also means deception. A world full of darkness is a world full of death, and it's a world full of deception. In chapter 8, verse 19, the Bible says, but instead of turning to God, they turn to other things. They consult in mediums and magicians. They sought out psychics and dead people and looked for crystals. And I'm not talking about hamburgers. They looked for crystals. Y'all are a tough crowd. In chapter 8, verse 22, the Bible says that they will look to the earth. They, these people will turn to anything and everything other than God. They shut their eyes to the light. And all they got was more darkness. That's where the majority of our world is. They're walking in darkness. Like ancient Israel, they're, they're looking to experts and mystics and scientists and scholars and politicians for solutions. People know that the world is dark. People know that the world is broken. But yet, what they're trying to do is they're trying by their own intellect and innovation bring light to a dark world. But yet, all that our intellect and innovation does is lead to more 
darkness. And so we are living in a post-truth society. We are living in the day of fake news where objective facts are less influential in shaping our opinion than the appeals to our emotion and personal beliefs. In other words, people don't care if it's true anymore. They just care about how they personally feel about it. And so, in our day, if you believe something to be true, then it's true. So, I'll give you an example. This week, and I'm not trying to be hurtful here, but I'm just trying to be honest, is that this week, an actress by the name of Ellen Page told the world that she is no longer Ellen Page, but she is Elliot Page. That She has now decided that she's going to change her gender. And so she believes that's to be true. She thinks that's true. And listen, we know that there are people who struggle, even in the pews, who struggle with gender and, and, and have sexual confusion. And, and we don't want to show them contempt or hate or, or any kind of vitriol. We want to love them and show compassion because they're confused. But you cannot just call yourself something and then that's what you are. I can't just get up and say, I'm a chicken and start sprouting feathers. It's not going to happen. There is a truth. God created man and woman, male and female. He didn't create anything in between. It's male or female. That's what truth is. But you can try to call the truth whatever you want. It still doesn't make it true. People in our culture will willfully and justifiably convey something that's false, that they know is false, as long as it accomplishes a personal goal. And so... What it means to live in darkness is to live under this death shadow that there is death and there is deception, but then there's also despair. In chapter 8, verse 21, the Bible says that they pass through the land greatly distressed and hungry. Chapter 9, verse 4, that they're under the yoke of burden. The distress, the darkness, the gloom, the anguish and the hunger in which Isaiah saw in his day and foresaw is still with us. And the reason why we live in a day of darkness and distress and gloom and anguish is the same reason why they did. They pushed God away, and the the same thing is true with us. We push God away. See, what Israel did is what we do. They murdered their parents and then claimed to be orphans. We murder God, or we attempt to try to murder God in our minds, and then we claim to be orphans. And the result of that is that we're enslaved to fear. The result of darkness and the result of agony, of hopelessness, comes from our rejection of the light. And so people don't see light at the end of the tunnel. There's no hope. There's no relief. There's no help. A world that is dark is desperately trying to fill the emptiness and the loneliness of their lives. They do it through different mechanisms. They do it through career. They do it through drugs. They, they do it through affairs and alcohol and possessions and money, through social media prowess and power. They try to fill the void. See, in death, we try to numb ourselves to it by distracting ourselves from death. Through, through deception, we believe whatever truth we want to believe so that we can feel good about ourselves. But in despair, we try to numb the pain of the darkness by filling it with stuff. But here's the thing, it doesn't work. Jim Carrey said that I think everyone should get rich and famous and do everything they ever dreamed of so that they can see that that's not the answer. See, maybe some of you, this is where you are. You're, you're living in the shadows of despair and fear. You're unsure what next year is going to hold for you. Your job security is shaky. Your marriage is crumbling. Your health is fading. Maybe you feel completely alone and you don't know where to turn and you're searching for something. 
You're groping around searching for something. What you're searching for is the light, the true light, the ultimate light. As the great theologian Eminem said, in one of his songs called Darkness, here's what the chorus says. Hello, darkness, my old friend. I don't want to be alone in the darkness. I don't want to be alone in the darkness. I don't want to be alone in the darkness anymore. Maybe that's where you are. Maybe it's the fear of death. Or maybe it's you are deceived or you're deceiving yourself. Or maybe it's just despair. That's the darkness of our world. And it's just, that's, that's listen, people that you live next to, maybe you yourself, you're going through this. But I've got great news. That the darkness of this world is no match for the brightness of the Son of God. In chapter 9, verse 1, the word here that we have in the ESV is but, but it could also be translated nevertheless, there will be no gloom for her who is in anguish. Here he's talking about those in chapter 8, in which it says darkness is coming, the anguish, the darkness, the gloom, the agony. Literally in the Hebrew, it, it says, nevertheless, darkness shall not be continually on the land. That it's dark now, but it's not always going to be dark. That there's going to come light. That light is going to come. That the doom and the gloom and the agony and the despair are not going to last forever. Here Isaiah is giving that ray of hope. That hope in which is that joyous expectation. See, that's what people are looking for. They're looking for hope. See, hope is what you're looking forward to in life. Hope says that my future is going to be better than my past. And where I am going is better than where I've been. And so where is this hope going to come from? Where is this, this ray of hope going to come from for the people of God? Where is it going to come from for the people that are in this world? It's going to come in a very unexpected place. In the land of Zebulun and Naphtali, that's the Galilean region in northern Israel, one of the darkest places spiritually in Isaiah's day. He calls it here the Galilee of the Nations. It was the front door to the nations where the king's highway and the Via Maris, the way of the sea, met together. And it was a place where the invading armies would come in and attack God's people and attack the people in the land. It was a place where the syncretism between, uh, between Jews and Gentiles and pagans and God-fearers uh, came together. And it was a region that was known to be broken, weary, and afraid. And it, it, this was the region where the, the people were completely in the dark. And the Bible says in verse number two, the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. That, that word seen a great light is literally the light is flashed. So in the land of Galilee, in a very unexpected place, to very unexpected people, the ultimate light has flashed. There's a ray of hope. The light of God has dawned on them. Now we know that Jesus, where was Jesus born at? What, what town? Bethlehem. But where did he spend the majority of his ministry? In the Galilees. In Matthew chapter 4, verse 15, it talks about this as a fulfillment of, God's, of, of the prophecy given to Isaiah that J Jesus spent the majority of his ministry in the darkest place. See, it was on the people walking in darkness that the light has shined on them. That's the good news of Christmas. The good news of Christmas is that light has come to a dark world. God did not come to this world to congratulate the successful or give high fives to those who have their lives together. He didn't come to those who had it figured out. He came to those who were down and out. 
He came to those who were walking in darkness. See, Christmas is not for the faithful, the joyful, or the happy. Christmas is for the faithless, the joyless, and the defeated. Those who are dying, those who are deceived, and those who are living in despair. That's where the light shines. The light shines the brightest where it is the darkest. And Jesus is that light. In verse 6, which we're going to be spending a lot of time in, the Bible says, for to us a child is born. That is his humanity. Jesus was born. Think about that. God was born. He wasn't created in Bethlehem, but he was born in Bethlehem. For to us a child is born, and to us a son is given. That speaks of his divinity. Divinity. That Jesus was born as his humanity, but also he was given his divinity. That Jesus is the God-man. The message of Christmas is that God came to do the impossible. That's why John writes in his prologue in John chapter 1, verse 4, In him was the life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shined in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Have you ever walked into a room where it was completely dark? How do you get rid of darkness? Do, do, do you sweep it away? Do you get a broom and just sweep it away? Do, do you yell at it? Darkness, get out of here! Do you educate it? Well, if you just were light, it wouldn't be so dark in here. Do you call the government? No. Are you nice to it? Come on, darkness, please. Hello, darkness, my old friend. I don't want to see you ever again. What do you do? How do you get rid of darkness? You turn the light on. That's what Jesus came to do. He is the light that has shown. The matter of fact, Jesus says in John chapter 8, verse 12, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Do you see that darkness and death and light and life? So what does the light of Jesus bring? Well, number one, it, it, brings, sad, it brings singing from sadness. It, it turns sadness into singing. In verse number three, it says, you have increased joy. You, we, we rejoice before you. That when there is light, there is rejoicing. There is joy. You ever wondered why people move to Florida? Why do people constantly travel to Florida? It's because we are the sunshine state. People get joy in being where the sun shines. People enjoy being in a place where it's warm. And even psychologically, there is a, there's a, a disorder called SAD, seasonal affective disorder, that during the winter months where the days are shorter and there's not as much sunlight, people get depressed. I mean, you think about this. Some of us, even now, as the season has gotten short, as the daytime has gotten shorter, you go to work when it's dark and you get back home when it's dark, unless you work from home. And then I don't know what you experience. But Jesus came to bring joy. He came to increase joy. Luke chapter 2, verse 10, The angel said, Fear not, for behold, I bring to you good news of great joy, which will be for all the people. Jesus is the only one that can bring true joy in your life. In his presence is the fullness of joy. Jesus is that true and lasting joy. Because here's what you have to understand. And it's going to take a lot of us, all of our lives, to really figure this out. All the joys on this earth that you experience are short-lived. Think of the most joyful time you've had. How long did it last? See, happiness depends on what happens. And if things are going well, you might be happy. 
But even happiness doesn't last. Amen? Think of all those things that you've bought already. I mean, you spent money you didn't have to buy gifts you didn't need to impress people you didn't like. You think about that. And the joy. But it's short-lived. Only Jesus can give you true joy. Because all the joys on the earth are short-lived and often short-sighted. And even things that appear to be joyful are really not very joyful at all. But Jesus came to give true joy. He also not only came to take our sadness and turn it into singing, but He also came to take our defeat and turn it into deliverance. In verse number 4, the Bible says that the yoke of His burden, the rod of His oppressor, you have broken. Jesus came to shatter the oppressive yoke of sin that has held us in bondage and defeat. He has come to deliver you. We, we don't, a, lot of this, a lot of us don't think about this, but do you understand that Jesus came to deliver you from whatever is binding you? That whatever binds you, God has the power to break? Whether it's alcoholism or pornography or drugs or lust or whatever stronghold of sin in your life, Jesus came to give you deliverance. That he came to bring a breakthrough from your bondage. And so many of us are living thinking that we'll never be able to change. We'll never be able to get free from this. But the good news is, is that Jesus came to set you free. For whoever has the Son has life. And the Bible says if, if, you, if you know the truth, the truth shall set you free. And so therefore, if you are in Christ, you are not a victim. You are a victor. In verse 5, there's a weird verse. Every boot of, tramp, of the trampling warrior in battle tumult. That, that's just not language we use. Every garment rolled in blood. That sounds weird. Will be burned as fuel for the fire. Here is a, speaking of a battle, there's an imagery here that there's a, a battle that's going to be raging, but there's not going to be a need for a warrior's boot. There's not going to be need for uh, armor or a sword because you're not going to fight that battle. Someone else is going to fight the battle and they're going to win. And that person's name is Jesus. Because on Christmas Day, God launched his attack on darkness through the light of his son, Jesus. And Jesus, our warrior God, the captain of our salvation, took the field at Calvary, engaged the titan forces of sin, Satan, death, hell, and the grave. And when the dust of the battle settled, an empty tomb stands as an eternal monument to the victory of King Jesus. And so whatever you are facing, Jesus is already defeated. Whatever you are afraid of, Jesus has already overcome. He can turn your bondage into breakthrough, your defeat into deliverance. Because here's what you have to understand. If you are on the right side of Jesus, you never have to fear being on the wrong side of history. Jesus is the light of this world. See, for those who are afraid of death, He is life. For those who are deceived, He is truth. And for those who are in despair, He's the way out. Because He's the way, the truth, and the life. He is the light of this world. But here's what you have to understand. Great spiritual light is no guarantee of great spiritual sight. 
Just because there's light doesn't mean you see it. You understand that? John chapter 1, the Bible says that He, this is the light of the world, Jesus came into the world and the world was made through Him. Yet the world did not know Him. He came into His own. His own people did not receive Him. But to all who did receive Him, who believed in His name, He gave the right to become the children of God. You see that? Jesus, the light of the world, came to the world, but not everybody believed it. Not everybody saw it. But here's the good news for those who do see it, for those who do receive it, for those who do believe it, things happen. Notice here, Jesus is the child that is born, but he's also the son that is given. Notice here that nowhere in here does it say we must accept him. Some people say you need to accept Jesus as your Savior. I don't need to accept him. I need him to accept me. I don't accept him. I receive him. Why? Because he's a gift. Remember? He's a child that's born, but he's a son that's given. He's a gift. How do I receive the gift of Jesus? By swallowing my pride, by realizing my need, by abandoning my own efforts to save and fix myself, and to surrender my life to him. That's how you receive him. Let me end with this. January 1, 1952, Hank Williams Sr., which I know that some of you have no idea who I'm talking about. Hank Williams Sr. was supposed to sing that night, New Year's Day, in Canton, Ohio. But he couldn't get on a plane in Knoxville, Tennessee because there was a snowstorm, and so he rented a Cadillac and got a driver, and he left his hotel room. But before he left, he shot up with vitamin B12 and morphine. And so the driver was driving through the mountains of West Virginia, and they stopped at a gas station, and he opened just to check and see how Mr. Williams is doing, and he opened the door, and he found Hank Williams Sr. dead at the age of 29. About four years before that, at the age of 25, he had written a song while he was in another Cadillac on his way home. He was with some friends and his driver, and, and, and someone said to Hank, Hank, we're, we're home. I, I can see the light of home, and there... Hank Williams Sr. wrote this song that maybe, maybe you've heard. It says this, I wandered so aimlessly, life filled with sin. I wouldn't let my dear Savior in. Then Jesus came like a thief in the night. Praise the Lord, I saw the light. Well, just before he died, he was in San Diego, and he was in a concert with Minnie Pearl. Now, some of you, who is Minnie Pearl? I'm not about Minnie Mouse. I'm not about Minnie Pearl. You can Google her later, all of you middle schoolers. And, the night bef and, and that night, before he was to go on stage, he was high. Man, he was high on drugs, and he was drunk. And, and he stumbled onto the stage um, in rehearsals and sang a couple songs and stumbled off. And Minnie Pearl and, and the manager got him in, the, in, a, in a car and drove him around just trying to sober the guy up. And, and, and Minnie was trying to do everything she could for him. And so she started singing. And she'd sing different songs of his. And she came and she just started singing. I saw the light. I saw the light. No more darkness. No more night. I saw the light. I saw the light. No more darkness. No more night. Hank Williams started singing with her. He started singing. I saw the light. I saw the light. No more darkness. No more night. And then all of a sudden, in just a moment of clarity, Hank Williams Sr. looked at Minnie Pearl and he said this. He said, I don't see the light. There ain't no light. Now, what do I do with that story? Here's what I want you to understand. 
You can know the song. You can sing the song. You can write the song. But unless you have a personal relationship with Jesus, you have no light, you have no life, and you have no hope. You can sing the Christmas songs. You can know the Christmas songs. You may even write a Christmas song, but unless you know the Christ of Christmas, you got nothing. But the good news is that you can have something. You can have someone, and His name is Jesus, and He came to light up your dark and broken world. He came to set you free. He came to turn your mourning into dancing. He came to turn your graves into a garden. He came to take you from sadness to singing. And you can have that today. Whether you are online or in this room this morning, you can have that relationship with Jesus. So would you just bow your heads with me? We're going to pray and we're going to ask the Lord to do something that we can't do. And that's call people from death to life, from darkness to light. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray right now that your Holy Spirit would do a work that I cannot do. Father, that you would call sinners to yourself. Father, that you would, you would open up hearts and minds to, to, to see the light. And God, I pray right now, if there's anyone here that needs to know you, and right now, if you want to be saved, you can pray a prayer like this. Lord Jesus, I know that I am a sinner. I know that I'm messed up. I know that I have pretty much destroyed a lot of things that you've given me. But Lord, I believe that Jesus came to fix it. I believe that he is who he says he is. I believe that he died on the cross, and I believe that he rose from the dead. And I ask that you forgive me, Jesus, that you saved me. I receive you as a gift of grace today. Take my life. Take me from darkness and bring me into your light. In Jesus' name. And Father, I pray that we as a church would go out and be lights in this dark world. In Jesus' name, amen. If you this morning or online have made a decision to trust Jesus Christ as your Savior, you can let us know. You can text into this number, 407-338-4024. You can text in and say, I've trusted Jesus as my Savior. This morning in our first service, we celebrated three baptisms. And maybe you need to take that next step. Next Sunday, we're going to be baptizing as well. And so whatever God is calling you to do, whatever that next step is, hey, don't just know the songs. Don't just sing the songs. Have a relationship with Jesus. Thank you again for listening to the Central Church Podcast. For more information on how to take your next step, visit us online at centralsanford.com.